Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Leland, we usually start off by talking about high school football, but let's change it up this week. We got Coach Lori Alshire of the Waynesboro Little Giants with us. And Coach Alshire, your Little Giants taking big steps this year. Um, I got to see them a lot of the home matches last year. I've been happy to see that the team is kind of putting together some of the growth and it's turning into wins uh, on the schedule. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, we have, we still have a young team. You know, we have, we're sophomore heavy. Um, we only have two seniors, um, but we are playing really good volleyball right now. Um, we unfortunately lost to Riverheads on Thursday, which was a blow, but uh, one of our players uh, couldn't be there. So that, you know, when you have to change the lineup a little bit and they're one of your key players, it kind of sets you back a little bit. I, you know, I was at that game of Riverheads and, it was coming off um, the last district game had beat the, had been the Wilson win, which I know had to be a, you know, a signal of good things. Um, but I, I appreciate the way you guys fought. I mean, you Riverheads won that first game, but then that second game, you guys just absolutely controlled it. And honestly, from a lot of the volleyball I've seen in this area, it just seems like the momentum swings of volleyball can get you down. I, I, I thought it showed a lot of fight in your team that they were able to, uh, you know, kind of reverse the, the, the handling there uh, in Riverheads. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, when you change the, mo- you know, volleyball's a game of momentum. Yeah. Um, you have, you know, a girl can rally off 10 serves and then you're back to, you know, behind the eight ball. But, you know, they they played really well the second set, but we had, that was the third set in a row. I mean, third match in a row that week. So we played Wilson really hard. Then we played East Rock. And we went five with East Rock um, down to the wire, and then we played Riverhead. So we, they were tired, too. They were really tired. Oh, understandable. I mean, with the way the schedule worked there. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about the team and um, what you feel. I, I know we've touched on it already a little bit with still young sophomores. Uh, what is the next step that you're looking for the team to make to kind of go from maybe the middle of the pack in the Shenandoah district to start competing with uh, the, the top of the district? I mean, you just hit it, competing. We've been behind, you know, we haven't been able to compete the last couple of years. And this year I feel like we're, we're competing with the teams that we're playing. Um, the girls are working really well together. Um, communication in volleyball is the key. Once you don't communicate, you know, things falter and we, we get behind and then um, everything falls behind. It, like, it's just a game of momentum. So I know we were talking and you, you told me you're now the assistant AD at Waynesboro as well. Congratulations. We want to congratulate you for that. But also I kind of want to open it up to kind of athletics in general at Waynesboro. Now that you're the assistant AD, you kind of get a better uh, view of the overall picture and Waynesboro athletics is kind of growing and improving as a whole. I mean, the football team uh, last year, obviously a bit of a letdown this year, it's kind of, they're improving each week, but I don't want to talk, focus on just football. I want to talk about Waynesboro sports as a whole. Um, I know it's a new role, but what are you most looking forward to as your new role? Just building relationships with the kids that I don't get to see on a regular basis. I'm teaching at the high school a little bit now too. So I'm getting to see them in the hallways and, you know, I've been, I was a Waynesboro grad you know, and I went away and I came back. And now that I'm actually involved a little bit more in all athletics, 
um, I love it. You know, just seeing people like last year, I started a little bit and I got to go to tennis match matches. I've never been to a tennis match and just to learn like how tennis works in general. I didn't know, you know, I played softball, so I didn't get to go see tennis. So just building relationships with kids that I don't normally get to, to build a relationship with and see, you know, since I haven't seen them since middle school and I now can see them competing. So I'm not sure how aware you are of the Yak Cup. It's a very big deal uh, on this podcast uh, where we track the district uh, standings for all the teams in the area, for everybody in the Shenandoah district. And you guys in Stanton finished one point apart last year. And I can't help but look at your schedule and see that you have Stanton on the schedule Tuesday night this week. So, you know, the rivalry uh, will be renewed there between the two city schools. I mean, looking at the, you know, the game tomorrow night, um, and then also, you know, the how often you play Stanton and you play them in every sport. Uh, you know, what's what's your thoughts on uh, that Stanton rivalry? It's always big. And then yeah. on top of it, one of my former players is coaching for them this year, <laughs> um, Logan Graves. She she sent me a message back in April and said, Coach, I want to tell you before you hear, I'm coaching with uh, Stanton. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, so it's, it's just going to be fun and exciting. It's just I mean, that's what it's all about is about competing against rivalries and having the, you know, the stands full and the fans get involved and your student sections get involved. That's what it's all about. How does that feel? How much involvement do you have with any of the like local travel teams and the, and the, you know, there's these teams that have kind of their separate season and the weekend trips. Um, I know a lot of the top talent in areas always been active in that. Uh, how much involvement do you or your players have with some of those travel teams? Well, I mean, I used to coach when I was younger, and my kids were younger. Um, as I've gotten older, you know, I know a lot of my kids do play travel ball with Axe and Valley. I know um, two of mine uh, went to Valley this weekend, I think, and tried out for the Valley team. And that's more northern, like TA, Spotswood area, a lot of those teams play with Valley. Um, but when we coached, it was Augusta. Augusta was the Joes when I played and then when I first started coaching, but it's, it's singled out. It's only Axe sports now. And then uh, Valley, which is TA based a lot. I want to circle back to, you know, you talking about Graves being a former player and now a coach. I mean, how does that feel knowing that uh, you're kind of at that point of the cycle where former players are now becoming high school coaches? I mean, it just shows you, you know, we go into coaching to win and, and everything, but my big focus has always been about building relationships and teaching them life skills and teaching them the game in general and how to, how to eventually be a coach um, and just to love the game. Um, and then just to see, like, two of my former players are coaching with me, Abby, Abby Jones and LaToya Diggs. Um, now Logan's coaching at Stanton, which I'm going to try to pull her back in next year. We'll see if that <laughs> happens, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, in being in that assistant AD role, I know both of uh, your sons are also involved in athletics at Wayne, where Alex was, I guess, at Waynesboro. I, yeah. I think he graduated, didn't he? Gosh, that's. Yeah, he graduated, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> that's not cool. Dalton's um... a sophomore, so he's. <laughs> Plays JV football. Yeah, I remember when Alex was just in fourth grade, so that's not cool that he's already graduated. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that means you're getting older. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, uh, don't I know it? Uh, but what is it like to kind of you know you you get to work and you get to watch your kids at the same time? I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. Um, the the con of it is I don't actually get to see my son play. Uh, you know, he's playing JV, and when I coach, I don't get out of practice till five forty-five. They start games at six, and if the games at Buffalo Gap, you know, there's no way I can get there. And so I've actually haven't been able to watch them the last three Wednesdays. Um, we were actually home, and so I got to see him maybe 20 minutes of the game before I had to run back in to coach varsity. Um, the pros of it is, you know, my involvement of, you know, just being at the school. And then when I do get to see him and then I have relationships with him and his coaches, um, I mean, that's the good thing about it. But the con is right now with volleyball, me being a coach and trying to be an AD, it's just long. But, I mean, I like it. I like I like keeping myself busy. I don't know what I would do if I wasn't doing it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we usually uh, wrap up with and then you just probably ruined uh, our final question because it's, you know, reminding us how busy you are. Uh, but maybe before the season started might have an answer. We usually ask our guests, uh, you know, what is something you've watched, a movie you've seen, a binge t a TV show or books, any kind of entertainment outside when you get away from the sports? What have you enjoyed lately that our listeners need to know about? Virgin River. I'm a binge. There you go. My wife's watching it right now. <laughs> She's in the other room watching it right now. Um, so, yeah, Virgin River. I uh, can't wait for Outer Banks to, to come on again for the new season. So yeah, I'm a big Netflix junkie. So yeah. When I have free time. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you see that again in the spring, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. And uh, good luck to you and the little giants the rest of the way. All right. Thank you. All right, thanks again to Coach Alshire for coming on with us from Waynesboro. I was pretty excited to see them play last week. That win against Wilson was so big. Uh, and then to be able to see them in the next district game, I was excited for that. Um, yeah, I mean, they took the loss to Riverheads, but, I mean, they were impressive in that second game. There was kind of the comments around us were like, wow, they, you know, jumped right back. And you just never see that. And, you know, I hit on that with her, and I, I didn't want to drive that home, but you, you never see that in the local volleyball. When one game just dominates the first game, you never see that. Like, it's just you rarely see that team win the second one by one. Maybe they'll come out a little bit better, but just uh, absolutely dominating the second game. I was really impressed. Um, she has a good group of kids. Yeah, I, I got, I touched on it. I got to do PA for most of the home games last season. And so I got to see them. And I, I remember coming on the podcast and talking to you about it off the podcast yeah. too, about, there's a couple girls on here that can really play and they're just really young and I think experience will help them. And they kind of got better as the year went along last year. Didn't see it result in wins and losses necessarily, but this year it's kind of coming together and I'm glad for coach Al Shire and, uh, Absolutely. and Waynesboro, but let's, yeah, I'm excited about their game this week, but, um, the rest of the volleyball slate, you know, last week, the Fort Defiance kind of had that big yeah. week where uh, they were going to be playing Riverheads and Spotswood. And uh, they did fall to Spotswood. Um, but I still think that's just going to keep making them more battle tested uh, for this class uh, 2B region. Right. Um, but they beat Riverheads and, and sweep them. And it's hard to imagine 
them losing through this region because Riverhead's that kind of second best team, and they've already been through the whole set, I believe. So um, they got gap this week, so they kind of had that easy week this week with only one game uh, where I think both Wilson and Giraffe both have three games this week. So, uh, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this week, but excited for having Waynesboro on and, and being able to highlight them. Yeah, I think it'll be great. Um, and I'm happy that Waynesboro is up there in that kind of middle tier right now. And I think, you know, as as we touched on with Coach Alshire, you know, it, it just sounded like just communication was her main goal with these players and experience. And then it'll turn into battling for that upper portion, which would be great. But, um, yeah, as we, I guess, turn our sights to high school football, I'm going to try not to yeah. focus the, con- the conversation on what you and I talked about a lot of other than just very make one comment and then move on from it um, and focus on what, yeah, we were at the what happened a, during the game. high school football game. Yeah, it was a great high school football game. And I just, again, um, we will go back and talk about individual things that happened in the bigger picture here. But to me, I, I, I thought it was a great high school football game being played that unfortunately referees inserted themselves in in a way that kind of took away from the game a little bit. I would have liked to seen what happens if a 15-yard penalty doesn't get called on the first play of a drive that is important for Riverheads to go 80, or I guess they didn't go all the 80 yards, but they went, what, 75 yards to set up yeah, a field they goal? from the 15. I think they snapped from the 7 or something like that. So, yeah. So, so yeah, like yeah. 75, 72 yards to, to set up a field goal. I just would have liked to seen a 2nd and 10, which was going to be set up for Riverheads, or 2nd and 9, uh, I don't think Talbot got too many yards on that first down carry uh, where he, you know, you sent me the video and, and I talked about it a little bit with you. I'll keep those comments to that conversation, but I just, I've never seen targeting called when the running back is making contact with the defenders back. Um, so shout out those refs. That's a, that's a first, um, maybe the first ever in the country. So that's, that's an honor for them. I'm sure they'll hear about this because to make up for their lack of vision, they have supersonic hearing about what everybody says about them. But if they just didn't suck so bad, uh, they wouldn't get as much crap as they get. I, I yeah, understand I mean, that job's tough. hard. That's that tackle has been made for four quarters and you throw yeah. the flag on the most important drive of the game. That's where people are going to get upset. That's why you get a lot of angry people yelling at you. That's why you get lit up all the time and coaches yell at you and you feel like you don't get respect and nobody appreciates the hard work you put in because, and you, we touch on this every week. Spotting is the easiest part of the job. I feel like there is no work being done on that. Uh, we saw our first measurement of the season this week. Uh, it's just sometimes it's really curious. It, it's it's got to be hard for this group of people that seem to you know just telling you where the play ended and the next play should begin. Um, you know when you go to these calls that you watch in college and and pro level have to get reviewed to even decide what happened. And it's so minute on how this rule for targeting and, and I guess headshot is a technical term in uh, high school football. I, the other thing hard. that was weird and, about it is um, it's a running back. It's not like the wide receiver over the middle gets blasted up top. Like it's the running yeah. back who ducks down and then there's contact. And again, like on the replay, I know you, people might be saying, Oh Joe, it's easy for you on the replay to go back and look and see. I, you were there. Anybody listening to the radio Friday night knows I was not happy with the call when it was made. I thought it was a terribly egregious call. Watching the video only furthered my belief on that. I sent it to 
Three other people who didn't listen to the radio, so didn't know my opinion, didn't watch the game. Uh, and honestly, it's three people not in the area, so they didn't even know the game. And I said, what's the penalty here? And they said, I don't know. Was there a hold? Yeah. I guess, I guess, because like, I, I just see a collision down there and don't see yes, it was, or no, it wasn't. So I was kind of moving on from, because I, I just didn't have anything to argue with it at, at, at the point. When we watched the video, all I saw was the dude's head straight down. I wondered if, okay, leading with the crown of his helmet or something, but it, it's not like he makes contact with the lead of his helmet. So I, I understand what you're saying. I just assume that referee from that angle, he thought he saw what he saw. My biggest hang-up is I wish this great game that up until that point and beyond that point was a great football game. Uh, I wish, you know, we didn't even have this to talk about. Now, looking at the message boards and listening to the other radio broadcasts, I, I haven't actually heard that much about it. So, like, I think the conversation is between you and I a lot more than it is elsewhere, maybe in the Christiansburg locker room with other people with film or something. Um, but I would, I mean, the game was awesome. I mean, Riverheads came out and took on Christiansburg Class 3 and went right down the field and scored. So I think it woke them up. Um, you know, the rest of the first quarter happened with Riverheads having some success, more mostly on defense, but their offense got slowed down a bit. Then the second quarter was about the worst it could go for Riverheads. And I mean, shoot at halftime, I'm sitting there talking to you like, huh, yeah, th- I mean, I'm not seeing anything to pull from that this is going to change. You know, like, you know, what needs to change? Riverheads needs to do what they came in here to do. Yeah. Keep the ball away from Christiansburg. And they need to, instead of just be getting three yards of carry, they need to be getting five yards, you know, four or five yards carry. Well, shoot, if in the second half, they don't do exactly that. They uh, defensively make perfect adjustments to stop the rushing game from Christiansburg, which is primarily their quarterback running the ball. The other guys ran it some, but that quarterback was the was the key to all that. They, they stopped that. Um, and then they only face one more downfield pass, I think, in the rest of the game. So I'm surprised. Prize Christiansburg didn't go back to downfield passes since on a fourth and short, they threw to the 30 yards down the end zone and had a touchdown. And the next time they throw downfield is a similar thing, a fourth down, fourth and five this time, but still throw 24 yards down the field to the end zone. And that's when Riverheads picks it off. That's the play before what you're talking about happens. Then this happens, uh, but Riverheads comes back in the second half. They tie it up. Then finally Christiansburg starts moving down the field. The play, the, Drive ends with that interception, but then Riverheads gets the ball, gets moved up 15 yards. But from there, the next eight, eight plays, nine plays are those gutsy runs. Talbot and Caden Cook Cash and Roberts all each had highlight runs there, and maybe a couple more Caden Cook Cash runs uh, in that area that just you can remember just where he's just getting the extra three yards than he probably should have got. And just gutsy performance down the stretch there. And, and they, you know, yeah, that first 15 yards, we can debate on how they got that. But the rest of the 60 yards that they went, they earned every single inch that they got and nearly, you know, broke enough tackles to get in the end zone at the end or use up too much time and, and uh, not have a chance for that final kick. But then it sets up, you know, junior kicker Brooks comes in there, knocks it through. And I'm always impressed with any high school kicker that he's able to come in with that kind of pressure and put that through especially at Riverheads where he's not asked to kick a lot of field goals. I mean, there's Riverheads really wants to get in the end zone. And so that was his first field goal attempt in over a year. And he puts it through and he's the hero. And, um, you know, on the backs of 
Triple C with 124 yards, Talbot with 116 yards, Roberts with 65 yards. That's the offensive effort that did it, but I just keep coming back to this defense that just completely, you know, you know, the first half, most of the first half, the biggest portion of the first half didn't do well enough to win that game, not even close. They're down 21-7. Just completely reversed that in the second half. I was so impressed with yeah, and I think, you know, looking at the larger point, uh, I was with you at halftime. I I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Like we're we might be in for yeah. a not fun second half here. Um because Christiansburg had kind of and- that second quarter, Christiansburg was doing anything they wanted to do. They were stuffing Riverheads offensively. But and the defensive adjustments we heard from coach Norcross in the post-game interview what led to those was he had video. Uh they have a camera in the end zone. They saw some stuff on the video. Uh, of the first half, and we're like, okay, we know what we need to do. Adjust, made the adjustments, and really shut down the run game from Christiansburg. But offensively, it was different because offensively they went from the big play drive that had the early touchdown, or big play mm-hmm. uh, that set up touchdowns uh, in that first drive, to the long, methodical. I, I brought it up every time we had a post uh, scoring drive update. It was like. It's a double-digit play drive, and they're eating so much clock. Even the field goal drive was a 10-play drive. So it, yeah. it, was, it was massive for them uh, in that second half to, I think you hit the nail on the head with your, one of your first points, was just controlling the ball, keeping that offense off the field. It, was I surprised to see Christiansburg not go to the pass? Yes. Um, I, I thought even, yeah. even the intermediate passing, I thought they didn't really try, uh, and maybe – I mean, they know that quarterback more than we do. Maybe that's not a forte of his, but no, he. I mean, he has passing yards in other games. He has, you know, and we saw the deep ball. I mean, I. But like, like game. Alabama's Milrow, right? Like the intermediate passing game's not his thing. He's a deep ball guy. Yeah. We saw the deep ball. We didn't really see intermediate passing, but we saw the deep ball, and he hit his receiver back throw, back foot throw, uh, with pressure in his face, play. hit him yeah. in stride. So that was impressive, but. Um, I, I kind of thought we would maybe see a little more from Christiansburg uh, in the second half, uh, even with Riverhead's offense starting to eat up the clock. They got but confused on what was happening. They I just never just did. So unexpected. Yeah, one eighty was so unexpected. Yeah, and it was. It was a complete one eighty. That second quarter, yeah. the first quarter was kind of even. Everybody was right there with each other, really Riverhead struggling. Scored, but Riverhead was, scored, but know, then they struggled. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. then um, second quarter was bang, bang, bang. Christiansburg. Every time they got the ball, bang, touchdown, bang, touchdown, bang, touchdown. And you were like, and, and yeah. we, I mean, we talked about it in the halftime show, and I think both you and I were trying to do the radio thing of like, hey, don't turn off the radios. But um, I, I don't, I don't know how you felt. I, I know me personally. I had texted the person who was giving me four updates that I work with. I, I had texted him like, this is about to get ugly. Like, I think Christiansburg is kind of flexing their muscle and doing whatever they want here. Um, but to coach Norcross and his staff's credit, yeah. uh, they made the adjustments and that thing turned on a dime in the second half and, and Christiansburg, they got the ball first. It was three yeah. and out. And, and then yeah. I, I mean, two, three and outs. I mean, Christiansburg two, three and outs there in the third quarter is what, that's what I was going to say. They had the ball for six plays in the third quarter. That was killer. Yeah. yeah. Huge play. I, I know I highlighted on the radio, but a huge play at the end of the third quarter with Talbot got, 
I think he got 14 when he needed five, and it was I, I just thought right there, you know, if he doesn't get oh, that, is that fourth down? Yeah, if they, it, I'm with you. If they get stuffed on that fourth down, because then Christiansburg has like I think it would have been at the 40 yard line or something. They were midfield, right at midfield. Okay, yeah. it was right at midfield. Then yeah, I mean you had somewhere, somewhere the field. right within the 40s. Yeah, I thought so. yeah, I thought Riverheads was maybe at their own 40. I don't have it up. Um, well, hold somewhere on, in there. maybe it I doesn't do. matter. It, I mean, it was right there. I mean, if, if you give Christiansburg the ball right there, I mean that was the biggest thing with Christiansburg you know, to stopping them, those three and outs were nice, but otherwise, you know, you know, like Riverheads does, mm-hmm. we're just going to be in your way until you mess up until you get greedy or you mess up. And, you know, it, it happens with a lot of teams, Christiansburg, not as much, you know, but there was still there. There was still a fumble. There was still the pick that did into that drive. There's still the penalty yards that, you know, nearly messed up their first score and drive. You know, they were, they were moving the ball and then penalties set them back. And that's why they were facing a, you know, a fourth down in that situation. And uh, because they were, had been gaining yards up to that point and gained almost all those uh, penalty yards back. But yeah, I mean, Riverheads played a clean game. I think that was something that I probably skated over. I don't think I had seen them play as clean a game all season. You know, the, just the lack of penalties. I think there was 17 penalty yards for Riverheads, which is pretty darn low for a high school game compared to Christiansburg 60 Riverheads did have the one turnover, but that was the pick right before the half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Christiansburg had two. So, like, that's – it just – I think, you know, we, we talk so often about Riverheads won't beat themselves. And some games you kind of see them do things that beat themselves, but they can afford it. They couldn't afford it in this game, and they didn't do it. And I, and I thought that's stepping up to the moment with this team. And I think the point I keep coming back to with people as I talked about this game, because everybody I talk to that knows me – wanted to talk about this game was, and this is no offense to anybody involved. I just think this is how it's worked out. I think Riverheads is better now than they would have been if Caden Cook Cash had played the last four weeks. I think these other running backs getting full game carries like Talbot and Roberts being as leaned on as much as he has, and even getting Brody Phillips involved. I know he didn't run as much now, Mm -hmm. but that's going to help him in the future. I think the combination of all that, is now when you plug Caden back in and as he gets healthier and healthier and the staff, you know, let's go more and more of, okay, you're back, you're healthy, you're good. Um, yeah, I think they're only going to be that much better. And, and so they gained a lot of experience here in the beginning of the season. I don't think they would have had those, those carries, that mileage. And you learn, you learn on the job. And that's what Coach Norcross has been talking about every pregame interview I have with him. He's got young guys learning on the job. Yeah. It all was on full display last week. No, that's fair. And um, it, it was their own 46 just to close that loop. Yeah. So split the difference between Leland and I, and you have the answer. Um, <laughs> it, it was a huge, because, I mean, if Christiansburg gets the ball there in the third quarter, that's... Yeah, big play. It's, I mean, a few yards oh. and you're in field goal range, and honestly, it, it would have been a back-breaking kind of morale boost, and you kind of figure that's where Christiansburg maybe puts it yeah. in the end zone and scores and puts the game away. Hey as much as it's easy to sit here and say and river have riverhead people beating their chest say we can play with you know bring a class three team on we can play with them i, I mean the, the evidence is there you know they've had these two series with uh yeah with now christiansburg where in the opening game they have beat them um and even if they went on even if we want to argue about how meaningful a penalty is or anything riverhead's played right with christian they were right there yeah it was an equal it, they They're were right even there. i mean yep if this scores reversed if Christiansburg would have kicked a field goal instead of throwing for it on fourth down there, and then Riverheads never scores, you're still saying, well, Riverheads was right there. I, I thought Christiansburg oh, yeah. would take it. Like, that would be the conversation today. But Riverheads does win, and so they do play right with them. And 
you know, you think back to the Lord Bonatop game that Riverhead's lost. You know, they lose Caden Cook Cash in the first quarter of that football game, and that's that's you know rattles the the core. And you know, otherwise though, there was there was battle going on out there. So I, I think you can go into the next time Riverheads has to schedule one of these class three teams because from far away, because none of the local ones will play them. I, I don't, I just don't see how anybody can just rule Riverheads out. I, 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 with this setup, you know, with these coaches and the type of program that it's has been, I just don't see how we just completely write them off. And that said, this game means very little in the long realm of what it means for Riverheads goals this year. They want to win a state championship. Chip, beating Christiansburg wasn't a reti- uh, requirement of that. Now, it'll help their PowerPoints. They'll be like second in PowerPoints when they come out on Tuesday instead of fourth or fifth or wherever they're going to be, where they'd be able to fight themselves back up and to get some home games. But it matters for that placement, and that's about it. What it does for us, it makes it gives us the confidence that, man, we can look at that, Christ- that Central Lutenberg game, Central Lutenberg, Central Woodstock game, a lot differently now. I think a one-point game there and seeing how much this team has grown and some signals that we've seen from Central Woodstock would make us think, oh, okay, maybe, you know, a rematch. Um, I'd probably favor Riverheads at this point. And so then you start looking at Clark County. I think with a loss here, even like a sizable loss, the way that game was going in the second quarter, you know, we're not having those conversations. We're no. ignoring those conversations because it's not a highlight in our local team. So, uh, you know, it's that's what we got. Um so hey, it's a nice game. It's something to, to remember. And, and the, the, the drama of it is something they'll carry on at Riverheads. But this isn't, a, this isn't a banner on the wall, and that's what they do there at Riverheads. They want to get banners on the wall. This isn't that. Yeah, and, you know, I think you and I, I think uh, looking ahead, because Clark plays Central this week, that's a big game in the bull run uh, Oh yeah, for that district. And I think the number one seed and 2B is on the line in that game. And then I think the loser, that's the three seed because of this win. Riverheads, I think, will be the two seed. Riverheads has an outside shot at that yep. top seed again, uh, depending on how things shake out in the bull run, I guess. But um, Christiansburg's going to give Riverheads a lot of wins, and they're multiplied because they're a right. team. That's it's a really helpful win um, for placement in the playoffs. But they're going to be in the playoffs either way. Yeah, but I think, um, yeah, I, I think this is, and we touched on it, that team, if that team that played against Christiansburg shows up every week, or I guess we should say that if the second half Riverheads team shows up, that play Christiansburg, if they show up the rest of the season and in the region playoffs, that team can win the region. Um, I hadn't seen that to this point. And so I, I, you know, that's why I was like, I don't know. This may be region semifinal stop because they're going to be on the road to central. They're going to be on the road to Clark, but seeing what they did in that Christiansburg game, uh, call or no call, seeing what they did in that second half, I, I kind of did have, I did come away from that game saying, all right, this is a team that, I think yeah. beats Central in a rematch, and this is a team that I think competes with Clark and maybe even beats Clark County, probably does beat Clark County if they play like they did, uh, if they can have that kind of production and that kind of result every time they're out on the field. Um, going to other games now, because we do need to talk about other games, otherwise I mean, <laughs> we're not going to get a lot done. Um, it's hard. When you see a field goal... Uh, Game winner with no time. It's hard not to focus on that game. It was such a good game. Man, it was good. Another good game that was close, uh, low scoring. Wilson tops Stanton 14-7. to um, I think this is maybe the most imp- – well, it is. It's the most impressive win for Wilson this season. Um, and I think this really knocks Stanton out of the playoffs. I, I don't see – 
we'll see, I guess. Maybe with the it's gonna be tough. with the PowerPoints when they come out. I, I just I know the teams that in my head I'm like, yeah, they're probably playoff teams. And, and then I can count eight before I get to Stanton. And so now I'm yeah. worried. At two and four, I see the schedule ahead for Stanton. I just don't love it. I, I don't love it. I, this is a team that I think um, crashed and burned at the end last year. We chalked that up to it's a tough schedule at the end. Um, but hey, seven and zero. Oh, we didn't think they were going to be there. What a great season! Let's see what they do. It's a lot of new pieces this year. The loss to Madison is, I think. I mean, that cost them a playoff spot in my mind. I, you can't lose that game and be a playoff yeah, team. I, I think we said it that night. I think yeah. we said that on the radio that night. Yeah, it's it's it just hard to envision a way back into the playoffs after that. And it's unfortunate because I think there's a lot of great players on that team. I, yeah. I just think they haven't been able to put it together. There's too many. This is now back-to-back weeks where we were thinking we would see something and we didn't see it. The offensive production that was against there against draft, against a very good draft defense, wasn't there against Wilson. I've seen Wilson. I've seen draft. Wilson's defense is not as good as drafts. So the fact that the offense only put up seven points kind of blew me away. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, mean, I assume it has to do with matchups between these two because it, it doesn't add up either. It's just, yeah, it, the offense is the big goal. The defense can, you know. If the defense only gives up 14 still, points, uh, you can't get mad. On both sides of the ball. Yeah. Because that way the offense isn't just taking the beating from the defense in the locker room. At least some of those guys are the same people. Because the offense is just not happening. Which is the other curious part in high school sometimes. Because it's the same It's the same people, especially at the line. It's a lot of the same faces. And you're like, all right, what's going on here? Um but the defense, I uh, the interesting, only 14 points. You can't get mad at the defense. The interesting thing that I think came out of this game is uh, Pergorski starting for Wilson. I think they've they've shifted away from having Tabler. And, and this isn't, you know, me bringing this up isn't trying to run on Tabler. I mean, I, I think he's a great football player. I think he's better at the running back position. I think this allows them. I think they brought Pergorski along. He's a freshman. They brought him along enough now. Okay, let's stick him in at quarterback, get Tabler back in the position that he's best at. And, you know, he scores the fourth quarter touchdown to secure the game. And, you know, it was a big piece of the puzzle the whole time. I don't have every stat for this game. But, you know, he's a, he's a better player in that position. So I'm glad they're able to make that move now. I think that makes him stronger down this stretch. And in the preseason, we talked about Wilson's second half of the season. They can make a little bit of run here. I think this could be that first step to that after being really disappointed with the – mistakes that we saw against Riverheads. I think this could be the indicator of, okay, to step up right back in the right direction and, and, and make a run for a, a, you know, a playoff spot. The problem is they dug this hole to where it's just going to be a, a ladder, uh, you know, a six through eight playoff spot. And, and that's going to be a tougher thing for them to advance in, but that's better than not, you know, that's better than not me in the playoffs. So that's something to build off of. And especially when you have a freshman quarterback now starting, I think, Every time you can play an extra week, it's going to be important. And so uh, I like that move. I like I like that move for them. They brought him in in a drive against Riverheads, and I didn't understand exactly how they used him in that possession. Now that they're starting him this week, I kind of get it a little bit better. But excited to see what they can do, you know, with another Pogorski coming in there. Yeah, I think it's going to be important for them to – to make this work at this point because I, th- I think you've made your commitment – I want to see 
them stick to it now. I, this is one of those things that we talk about it sometimes with college and pro when they make that quarterback switch, and a lot of fans want to do that kind of willy-nilly um, and, and maybe go to it earlier. Um, but the reason a lot of coaches hold off on that as long as they can is they know once I make that switch, I'm committed. Yeah. It's not like the, yep. oh, I can make this switch and then go back. Um, and Pregorski was getting game time down at the JV level. And, and I know that's yeah. not the same as varsity, but at least he's getting snaps down there in live action. So, you know, I, I, I kind of commend them for how they've worked this. I, I think they weren't planning on doing it at the beginning of the season. I no. think they were trying to make it the season with Tabler, but you want to play. Like you spot, said, the right move. like you said, I, just, I just think Tabler is maybe a better fit at running back, especially yes. with the injuries he's that they've back. had. Um, it, it really helps out that position that kind of had taken a big hit. Um, now you yeah. now you can plug Tabler there, and it helps offset that injury a little bit. Um, but yeah. I, I think they're um, a team. They got. I mean, there's other guys. Yeah, I, I just want to see uh, it. K-Bond. I just want to see them put it together. Buffalo Gap that needs to be a big win in a comfortable way. Yeah. Something we haven't seen since the Charlottesville game, frankly. Um, so I think it's going to be important for them to do that. Stanton and it's sitting there out in front of them. Draft just did that to them. And if, if they think they're as good as draft, if they're going to compete with draft here in a couple weeks, yeah, they need to beat gap in a similar way. I agree with that draft beat gap 26, nothing on Friday night. The Garber brothers ran all over them. Wilson needs to come into that game ready to be productive with table. at the running back position, getting good runs, Monday, getting runs and mm-hmm. also mixing in this pass and getting, getting Pogorski, you know, built up confidence at this higher level. And, you know, it's right there on the table. They're watching film right now. What draft did the Buffalo gap, the recipe's there. Yeah, I agree. Um, you touched on it. Gray, the Grabers had a great game. Uh, Baylor Graber draft had a good game. Like it, it's not going to be all the Grabers weren't good in draft one. Like that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, Baylor Graber with three touchdowns. Landon Graber had one late too. Twenty six nothing final over Gap. And honestly, this is again. Uh, it's just yeah. I don't want to harp on it too much. Gap, they're going to play Stanton. That's not going to go well for them, I don't think. Uh, and for draft, it's a big game with Fort. It's uh, Chip and I will be there uh, on Friday night, and you'll be doing Stanton Riverheads. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this game kind of maybe s- – we know the eight teams that are going to be in the playoffs in 2B, but I think this is kind of where maybe, you know, when you're looking at – trajectories this is maybe where the draft and fort trajectory are kind of getting close to meeting and one thing is going to happen in this game and i i think whoever wins it is going to keep going up and the and the loser is going to go down draft has i think the best ability to rebound from that but if draft loses this game that's now three losses for them fort will have three losses and personally in my opinion fort's schedule is going to be easier. They've already played Riverheads. Um, they've got wins on their schedule ahead of them at that point. Whereas Draft, I think, yeah. has that Riverheads game where even though Draft is playing better now uh, and they're getting a little bit better each week, I'm not sure they're at the level of Riverheads, especially seeing what I saw this Friday. I, I just I don't think that Draft team can beat that Riverheads team. Um, so I, I love how... Al Fort rebounded off a terrible game and played Riverheads tough. I think that built confidence in them. Of yeah. Like, okay, we give Riverheads a lot of a lot of credit, but I, I think the kids do. The kids know, and when they okay, we lost by fourteen to Riverheads, and they scored every time they got the ball in the first half. We still only lost by fourteen. Like, I think they build off of that in their own minds, and I so I love the way they're rolling. 
I this could be a hard game to pick. I'm I, Fort's rolling. I know. I think they've won. They yeah. both won like three in a row here. So I don't know like if one's actually rolling better, but I think Fort just seems to have that spark in their step right now. And and even watching the highlights on end zone on Friday, it just it seemed like those kids were out there kind of high flying. Now they were playing Waynesboro and they're scoring a bunch. I was gonna say Miller, my concern you know, would be not necessarily the margin of victory because it was decided. I mean, it was twenty nine point win. But they gave up twenty eight, and I asked, yeah, I, I asked somebody that was there. The half. I think I asked somebody that was there if that was backups. You know, if that's reserves, JV guys getting in, and Waynesboro's putting up points there. And he's like, no, it's starters. And I was like, well, that's not great. Um, yeah, when when you get up a bunch, though, it's you're still talking about sixteen, seventeen year old boys, and the focus might not have been there. I, I, I don't know. At least they get to prove it this week. They're gonna have they're gonna have someone to prove it against this week. And this is a team that Fort was young last year, and that's what you keep saying this year. They they can't be young anymore. They can't be young every year. You know they played draft tough last year, and draft draft had a what eight and four season last year, and Fort didn't quite have what they wanted last year. You know this is time. I think this is their chance. Just like Stanton last year when they beat draft, and we all said, okay, Stanton's here. This is that opportunity for. Fort Defiance right here. Yeah, I think this is big for Fort Defiance. Uh, I think this is a win that could really change their season and expectations maybe on what they can do in the 2B playoffs. If they lose this game, I think you're looking at an early exit. Um, And I guess the kind of same is for draft, right? Like I think if draft wins this game, maybe you can start talking about, hey, we can get to the region semifinal versus, hey, we're playing Central Clark or Riverheads. I don't like yeah. what that I means. I haven't liked what's happened to draft in the playoffs these last few years when they've had to go up 81 and play a road game in the Bull Run District area. So whatever they have to do to avoid that yeah. uh, is what they need to be doing, and that, that means beating Fort this week. So I, I do I agree with what you're saying. I think the loser of this game creates themselves some problems. All right. I wanted to bring up something that I just came across today. Uh, you know, anybody that has been following us, following local football knows Jake Phillips. He, you know, star at Bath County, played college ball at William & Mary, coached at James River, coached at Stanton these last uh, few years before Mikey Bell took over and uh, uh, wasn't able to have a whole lot of success there. But he's gone over to Bath County and he's in his second year after a four and seven year. He started this season five and oh. Um, this is a program that has history, but nothing recent. They hadn't had a winning season since 2010. Um, and, and those people over there, experienced state championships in 95 and 01 and state runner-ups in 2000 and 2003. So they want winning over there, and Jake Phillips seems to be turning it back towards that direction. Now, 5-0 and doesn't mean 10-0. and uh, They got their districts played ahead of them, and not that the Pioneer District is going to knock you off uh, your seat or anything, but they've done everything they can so far, scoring 47-plus in every game they've played. Um, three games, uh, they've only allowed eight points or less. So they've done everything they can to this point. I do – I do see losses in their future, but there's still more wins. They'll be in the playoffs. So I just wanted to highlight Jake Phillips there. He's a former uh, guest of the podcast. So great job going on over there. We'll keep watching him. Um, but, uh, you know, I like I like when guys can go home and win, and that's what's happened here. Yeah, I got nothing to add. I mean, I'm happy for him. Yeah. I just not? don't – I don't All think right, – when I he was in our area, I just don't think it was a good match. So Yeah, it just didn't, didn't work out, and that's fine. And, and I think – Everybody likes everybody. It's just he got to go home. Great, good for him. Uh, high school golf. Uh, I wasn't able to update it last week. 
Uh, what I failed to update was Fort Defiance winning Region 2B. And after finishing third in the district hey. behind Riverhead one stroke, they're able to do a little bit better and then get first in that region. It was a very tight finish in that Region 2B. Fort Defiance won at 348. Riverheads was fourth at 352. So four strokes separating first to fourth place. So just a real tight match there. That means Fort Defiance's entire team gets to go. Uh, compete at the state uh, meet. Uh, it's another week from now. Um, so that's great for that team. And uh, I think that's what we got at the Class 2B level represent us at state. But then um, at Region 3C, they played at Lake Monticello. Wilson finished second. And, you know, that's like a solid golf program that's kind of been up in that area uh, recently. I think last year, I don't think they get got out of the region. So getting the team out of the region this year, great job, Wilson. So we got two teams uh, competing at state's and their respective classifications. Uh, class two will be on October 10th at Great Oaks Country Club and Floyd, and class three will be on October 9th, so the day before for that next Monday uh, in Williamsburg at Jamestown. So that's awesome for our local golf, and we know we got some good golfers around here, and I'm glad that's put two teams at that level. Um, high school cheer, we also got going on that season. They kind of build up quickly to uh, – their championships there, but they had the Turner Ashby cheer challenge. And uh, we had two uh, first places. We had Wilson won the division three, five. Um, and then Fort Defiance, Fort Defiance won the, re the division one, two. And then Stuart Straff finishes a little bit behind them at second. So we have three nicely placed teams there in the cheering. So something to watch there as we get closer to the Shenandoah district final and then all the regions and stuff. We know what Stuart Straff's done. And uh, here we have them kind of sitting just behind Wilson and Fort Defiance. So we got some strong competition in the cheer. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. I mean, uh, Stewart Draft is obviously a team that is used to winning state championships. So I'm sure finishing second in Fort maybe is a little bit of a, a motivating factor as they get ready for their postseason. All right, so college football, and this week we're not skipping over Virginia Tech. We're going to start with them because it is a positive this week. They win. They beat Pittsburgh uh, by a couple scores there, put up 38 points offensively, which is just something I didn't know we could do. Um, we were up 21-7 to at the half. Things are feeling good. Then they score 14 quick points. They, they let Pitt go all the way down the field on one play, and then, like, the next offensive play we just – just drop the ball on the ground and they pick it up and walk in the inside with it. So that, that kept us on our toes till the very end. But overall, by the time the final horn struck, it was a good one. And uh, like I told you immediately, this doesn't give me confidence for the next game or any other game. I, I know what the next game is, but it doesn't yeah. give me confidence for any other game this season. I will take the win when I can get it. And I'm happy to have it and uh, happy with the performances at quarterback. I think drones is I think things have settled in for Drones to be the starter. That's how I see it. I mean, it seems like our offensive play calling has gotten used to him being in there. We're flowing better. He's a quarterback of the week this year in the ACC, or this week in the ACC, yep. with his three touchdowns and 228 yards. Tootin, 24 carries, 109 yards. He was the running back of the week. So a lot of positives to pull from this, but does it add up to where I'm confident that, well, we're not going to win at Florida State next week, but week four is, does that give you confidence? No, it doesn't. Um, I just, I think like you, I, I liked your line, you know, winning the second game just gives me hope that we can win a third. And I, I agree with that. So we, we hope for number three, it ain't coming this week, but maybe sometime in the future it's possible. 
Yeah, maybe Wake Forest because you. I mean, who knows? Wake Forest has been a bit of a roller coaster. Uh, I do know going to Doke, uh, Doke Campbell Stadium that we're that's not going to go well. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't love that we get to that we're on ABC at three thirty next week. That's the entire nation to watch us get freaking rocked. But. That's going to be bad. Yeah. That's going to be bad. Um, yeah, like you, uh, we were texting during this game, um, and when we went up 28 to seven, I was already saying like, wow, man, this is, this is good. This is good. Pitt sucks, but it's good to beat a team that sucks. Like they suck. And then, cause even the ODU came, we didn't really beat them. Like they suck. It was a little bit like, okay. I mean, it wasn't like scary, stressful, but there were things in that game where I was like, man, could we please just pound someone like they're dog crap? And yep. this pit game kind of felt like that a little bit. Now, when they made it 28-14 and then immediately drones, uh, his brain switches off and the ball flies out of his hands, <laughs> seemingly, and Pitt scoops and scores, I that's when I texted you. I was like, oh, we're going to lose. Like, we suck. Um, but... To the Hokies' it credit, take us to do much for you to text me something like that, though. Like, I mean, for for listeners, like, you know, <laughs> we can throw an incomplete sometimes. You're like, oh, I think that was the first time it. this year I've said we suck, <laughs> and I was wrong. To be fair to me, yeah. Every other time, it is a little thing. You say we suck, we're going to lose, and then we obviously go on to do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I I think I am justified in that feeling. Um, but to the Hokies' credit. They bounce back. They I was won. Just give a quick trigger to say we suck. <laughs> it's not a quick trigger when it's true. Like, I mean, look, I I was trying to be positive here, but if we want to get down to brass tacks, Pitt is awful. Pat Narduzzi has put himself on the hot seat, which honestly I thought was going to be impossible given what he's managed to accomplish at Pitt. But what he has done here in the last two years is take what was a really good football program and kill it himself. I mean, he built it. It's like good with that transfer pool. It's like he built the house of cards and then looked at it. He's like the little kid who built the house of cards and is like, I'm done and like blows it over himself. Like it it's weird. It's weird what he's managed yeah. to do to that team. They're they're terrible oh, now. I that what the amount of trash talk that came from that pit program. And I texted you at one point, I was like, man, this team is talking a lot of snap lot a lot of trash for people who like, can't even get the snap that? off man. on time. Like can't even get the snap off on time. You look like a clown um, when you're playing. It's just they're not very good. Um, and Drones had his best game. The Pharaoh had a great game over 100 yards. Both players of the week, like you said. But I'm also not reading into anything other than, like, the UVA game means maybe that's win three now. Um, because yeah. I, I, I think this kind of performance – doesn't necessarily bring you a win against anyone else other than UVA on the rest of the schedule. Because as good as we looked, Pitt's that bad. Pitt is yeah. Pitt is awful. And and UVA looks that bad too. I'm yeah, sure this this was two awful teams playing each other is what happened on Saturday. And I was glad we won because there was a point where Pitt is coming back. And like just where I had gotten in the moment was like, I was like, well, let me see what's going on somewhere else. And I like got on Twitter and I was scrolling through and it was like the ACC network had tweeted like chills and it was inner Sandman. And I was like, you know, it's not chills when every time you come into lane stadium, the other team just takes your lunch money. Like it's not chills. It, it's, 
it's man, I feel bad for these people who just don't know what's about to happen to us. Like, and I wish, like, to their credit, I wish I had that kind of just ignorance to where, like, I don't know what's going to happen when we play Florida State. I wish I was, like, some of these people that are like, hey, this kind of win's going to propel us. It's going to give us some confidence. And, hey, you know, Boston College hung with Florida State, and maybe you never know. Uh, we do know. I do know. Florida State, that, here's what scares me. Drones is going to get lit up. They're going to be in the backfield. They're going to just absolutely smash drones. I just don't want drones to get hurt in this game. If drones doesn't get hurt in this game, that's a win. Yeah, be great. And I I hope you're not one of these people that comes Saturday. You're going to be like, yeah, I mean, hey, who knows? Maybe. Like I, those people. I pride myself on that ability to come up with how we're going to win. I have no, I have no path. Those people. Our team hasn't given us anything this year to like. Florida State hasn't given me much to say where they're weak. And if they've given me anything, I, I don't know anywhere that we're strong. So <laughs> we had some strong performances last week against a terrible team, and I agree. But we you. also had some I, really – I have no idea how I could come up with a roadmap on how we win this game. I mean – Because the game – and people might be thinking, again – We could run the ball and ball possession and try to like, okay, we're only going to lose by three touchdowns. Like that's kind of my mindset right now. The games where Florida State struggled were at BC, which is – it was the red bandana game, which Boston College always gets up for. Uh, and it, Boston College could play Alabama, and that would be a one-score game, I feel like, if it's the red bandana game at Chestnut Hill. Um, but the other one was at Clemson. Bad anybody playing bad at Chestnut Hill. We always do. Yeah. The other one was Clemson at Clemson. And what Florida State kept trying to go to with that offense was, we're going to run the go route. Let me tell you. Our secondary is not going to be with the Florida State receiver like the Clemson secondary was when Florida State runs the go route. Because I saw us not be with the pit receivers. So what happens on the go route is the guy's running by himself down the sideline. The ball goes up. The camera finds the wide receiver, and I don't see anyone in a white jersey near him. And I start to question whether we had 11 guys on the field. And then they zoom out, and I'm like, oh, no, we did have 11 guys on the field. They're just not good enough. Um, But... It's, yeah, like, that's what's going to happen. And honestly, like I said, I'm jealous a little bit of the people who just have that ability to just, like, shut off everything else and, like, convince themselves, like, yeah, we can win any given Saturday. One time out of 100, Little Giants mentality. Unfortunately, I realized Little Giants was a scripted movie and not real life. And what happens... Those people aren't real? 99 times. I mean, and I I guess this is the point, right? One out of 100. I just Still coaching a little league team in Texas. I think we could play a hundred. I think we could play for say a hundred times, and I think we would lose a hundred times. Like I don't. <laughs> this I, team I is not good way. enough to beat Florida State, and so that's what's going to happen. If this was game one or two of the season, I probably could have come up with it, but now I can't. Now I've seen too much. Yeah, now that's <laughs> like I know too much. Um, UVA, yikes, Oof. yikes. It's okay. So, so here is where I question. We had Barber on preseason, and he's mm-hmm. talking. He's in, and and I, I'm not saying Barber's wrong, but he said the phrase, and I, I think I kind of came back at him when he said it. Well, you know, Elliot stuck to his guns, and he wants to build this for the future, and so he tore it all down last year, and that's why they had the three and seven season. So they sacrificed 2022 to have better later. But he also did Shouldn't say, you have a little bit better that, like, like what? Couldn't you have played? with the talent you had last year and maybe been better than three and seven and 
still be 0-5 at this point this year. Like, I don't get, I don't get the risk-reward here. I, I, I just, like, sacrifice-reward. I don't, like, what? I, I don't get it. I'm not understanding it. It's not looking good. He also said this UVA team would be a lot like the Virginia Tech team last year in the sense that, like, they just don't even have the players to be good this year. And that is true. That's, that, I see that. That's painfully true. And they went back to Musket at quarterback. He wasn't necessarily the issue. Um, I don't think he was the problem. I think this defense continues to be the problem. The defense was bad. It was on the CW, which yeah, is bad. Anyway. Um, they play it's a revenge game for Mike London next week. They're coming off a loss, actually, William and Mary is, to an unranked Elon team. So maybe that's UVA's first one of the year. I did say I think they beat Boston College, and I did say I think they beat William and Mary. They've proven me wrong once. I still think they beat William and Mary. Um I don't know. This team's I don't know either. I, I don't I don't have a lot to say about it because I, I don't have anything nice to say. I I just hope UVA fans are measured on Saturday when they beat William and Mary. That's fine. I'll pick them right there. I'll say they'll win. Oh, and we're getting spanked by by FSU. I hope everybody's a little bit measured on this because the other times it hasn't been the case. So I just just heads up, guys, on the social medias. When you win on Saturday, we don't. We we don't need to talk about it much. That's fine. Um, JMU survived another second half, um, which feels like that's going to be yeah. the theme this year where we get a big lead and then we look at each other in the locker room last week. I, I just don't know what goes on in the locker room. I don't know if the coaching staff is doing shots during halftime or what, but I don't think there's any coaching going on in the locker room at halftime because I have no evidence to think that like it, our defense plays one drive in the second half. Now it's the last drive of the game and usually it, helps us win the game, but man, this, this, no, I haven't seen a team blow leads like this ever this many times in a row and, and still be undefeated. Like that's the crazy part. They're still undefeated. And that was, that, that is a good South Alabama team that they beat. They have a bye this week. I'm hoping with two weeks they can beat Georgia Southern, but Georgia Southern is going to be tough. It's going to be on national TV. Um, I mentioned the South Alabama game felt like a potential letdown game. Man, this Georgia Southern game, national TV, noon kickoff. I can already see the pumping up going on, and I could see JMU getting another halftime lead, two, three score lead at halftime. Everybody's high fiving each other. Hey, don't change anything. It's never hurt us in the past. Like, we're great. Nothing can, t- nothing can touch us. And then, you know, Georgia State's or Georgia Southern's coaching staff is, you know, actually doing adjustments in the locker room, explaining what went wrong, how to improve it versus JMU, which is like, obviously, we're perfect. We don't do anything wrong ever. And then the second half turns, and I I could see that being a game where JMU doesn't survive because Georgia Southern is also a really good football team. And I touch on this time and time again. I think Kurt Signetti at the SCS level, the Bucknell game, to my credit, is the only one that this didn't happen. Um, I think there's a reason for that. Bucknell is FCS talent. I think Kurt Signetti is a great FCS coach. I think he can go out and win a lot of games and blow out a lot of teams at the FCS level because his ability to recruit at that level is so much better. His problem when he goes up the next level is the recruiting is similar. So they're tighter games, and eventually it's going to come back to bite him. Like, he's he survived these games. I don't know how much of them JMU has thrived in these games. It does feel like this is a team that even with 
the undefeated record, and it should be all positives. Everybody feels great. We've won these five games. We've beaten some really good teams. It's just the way they win. It's not us coming back. It's us holding on for dear life and hoping that the clock runs out before the other team finds another score. I was thankful it didn't get as tight as last week. I, I will say that. South Alabama oh. had the ball with four minutes to go, driving the chance to tie the game. Or I'm sorry, with less, oh. it was, I guess it was like a minute 45 or something. They had the ball with a chance to tie the game. I did, yeah, they did get the ball right there. Back to you. But then they had the pick. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what um, surprised me from Saturday, I did not see Colorado being in that USC game. Um, and the way they fought back, you know, after the beatdown they took last week and then the sizable lead that USC kind of got up on this week, I mean, I commend, you know, I, I've been trying to just like take away from Coach Prime about, you know, what what can I what can I like? Because there's been a couple phrases and stuff that they've said that I don't enjoy, and it's just not what I'm used to. And so he said some things this week, like, and I, that that effort right there, I like that. I like that they battled in that game, got back to losing by seven. I, I appreciate that. So I'll I'll take that with me in my mind. Um, you know, he's, he's preaching that it's going to keep getting better and all that, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that I'll believe in more than a lot of the yapping. So I, I was surprised by that and, uh, not negatively. I, I'll take that. No, I, I think the way they came back, honestly, a- especially after how the Oregon game went, where they just got absolutely roundhouse kicked by the Oregon ducks yeah. to then fall behind, be be behind by a lot to USC, and then come back. It, t- it tells me two things. One, I don't think USC's defense is good enough for the Trojans to be undefeated this year. I just don't. They're going to play some teams that are going to be able to put up points and have a little bit better defense than Colorado, and that's going to beat USC. Um, and to me, it, I think it says the same about Colorado, that this is a team that is probably de- definitely going to a bowl game, and I think they're going to – I go from a team that, yeah, maybe six is the ceiling to – Seven or eight could be the ceiling. I got to look at that schedule. Um, unfortunately, it's the Pac-12 North, so that means they're playing Washington and Washington State still, Oregon State still as, as well, I think. And I don't know if those are wins, but uh, seven seven's possible for this Colorado team. I, I just I just think that they're too talented on the offensive side to to be out a lot, on a lot of these games. What surprised you from Saturday? Oh, gosh. How much time do we have? Um, Syracuse, LSU, <laughs> South Carolina. Um, we'll talk about one that also surprised me that you saw coming, Duke. I mean, it was Syracuse getting their face kicked in surprised me. Because I thought Carrier Dome, Clemson not as good as we're used to. Like, this has oh, yeah. this has new, this has the beginning no, no, of the end for Clemson big. written all yeah. over it. And they came in, they pounded Syracuse. Um, so that was like the start of my day. And then the mid part of the day was whatever. But the night, I was like, all right, I've got LSU that'll come through. I've got South Carolina that'll – no way they lose by two touchdowns or more to Tennessee. Like, that's a tough opponent for Tennessee. And Duke will – Duke at home is going to give Notre Dame a fit. And I felt like Dwight – 
when Andy is reading off his Florida team in the office because there was a series of things that happened bang, bang, bang in the night window of college football where it was like South Carolina falls behind three touchdowns. And I was like, what? And then LSU gives up a monster touchdown to Ole Miss to fall behind and and what ended up losing. And I was like, no. And then Notre Dame goes from, all right, they're going to win the game with a game-winning field goal, but Duke will cover to then the running back breaks free and runs in the end zone. And I'm screaming obscenities at the TV. Like, I was just like, gosh, what happened? It was all in like a 30-minute window. And I was just like, God, this is terrible. I had the feeling Notre Dame would win that game. But, man, it was close. I mean, it, it, I was nervous about my lock there because it, it, wasn't, it wasn't there. Um, I, you heard anything about that Duke quarterback since, since he got hurt? I, I think it's not as bad as they initially thought, but he's still going to miss some games. It didn't look good. Uh, no, it did not look good. So that's what I was wondering. Um, I also, on one of the few bright spots of my day, was Kentucky handling of Florida. I, I picked up on that a little bit late after I think I even said something to you about how I stay away from Kentucky. Uh, there was a opportunity to uh, present itself there in the middle of that game right after Florida scored to where I bought in, and it was nice. So not but so nice. But, uh, yeah, I think I, I thought Kentucky would beat, win that game, so I, I, I kind of claimed that as – it took me a while to put my money where my mouth was there, but I saw that coming. Um, what are you, uh, what are you looking forward to this week? <laughs> I was going to say, I, on the note where I usually say what I saw coming, I put yeah, nothing. I, um, I, I guess if I want to go like four teams on what was, you were surprised about, I didn't think you saw anything coming. There. Yeah. I guess if I want to go big picture, the thing I could say is, and I, I have said this on the podcast before and it got reinforced this week. Um, there is no dominant team in college football this year. No. I don't think we're going to have that 50 point blowout in the national championship. Like, the SEC, Florida goes from spanking Tennessee. Kentucky goes from a squeaker against Eastern Kentucky to then those two teams play, and Kentucky pounds Florida. And so I'm like, okay, so the SEC is just painfully average. And I mean, we talk, Georgia barely beats Auburn. Yeah. That's not a good Auburn team. That's a bad Auburn yeah. team. Like, they squeakered against Auburn and I'm just like yeah I I here's the thing Georgia is not going to play anybody really good in the regular season uh because Florida sucks we've already touched on that I don't think Tennessee is good enough to beat Georgia and so who's going to beat Georgia nobody they're going to get in the SEC championship I think they probably win the SEC championship and then they get in a playoff but I don't I don't know if Georgia's a slam dunk national champion I don't even know if if I were to rank the six best teams, which we'll do here in a little bit, I don't know if I put Georgia in the playoff based on what I've seen. If I'm not counting the name Georgia and I'm saying I, I come in with total amnesia and all I have to work with, which is how the college football playoff committee, frankly, should be doing it. Not knowing who the names are, just come in. This is what we have. This is what these teams have done. Who are my six best teams? I don't know if Georgia's in that. Um, I won't spoil it for you. I'll tell you here in a little bit. But what I'm looking forward to, I'm going to take the Red River rivalry, or Red River shootout, excuse me, Um, and I'll let you take the other one. But I I think 
this Texas Oklahoma game is going to be great. I actually, yeah. I don't know who I think wins this one. I'm, I've kind of gone back and forth on it just because I don't think this is the usual Oklahoma team that is like dog crap, but highly overrated because everyone is like, Oh, Oklahoma's great. They can't ever lose. Even though they've, you know, had tough squeakers against army in overtime or whatever. And I'm supposed to pretend like army's great. Um, this is a team that has played really well up to this point, in my opinion. And I think they're playing a Texas team that it has also looked pretty good. So I I'm excited. I think, I think the winner of this uh, is in the driver's seat for the Big 12. I think it's probably going to be a rematch of these two teams in the Big 12 championship, which would be exciting. It'd be the first time ever that that's happened with the new format. Um, I don't know if it's ever... I guess there's probably been a Big 12 championship where they two have played before, but um, it'll be exciting. Yeah. I am also liking that Kentucky-Georgia game that's coming up. I oh, think that's Kentucky- full gold. Do you think just Georgia's going to slam on them? I, I think Kentucky sucks. Hmm. I think Kentucky beating Florida told me Florida isn't a top 25 football team. Like, that's what I learned in that. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of Florida either. I don't know. I just think SEC games, they know each other so well. So, I don't know. Looking at the slate, I number the second one I highlighted was the Kentucky-Georgia game. That's what I have there. Let's, let's do our top six. Like, you brought it up. Let's talk about it. All right, Leland, let's do the top six. I agree. I wanted you to do this. I asked you ahead of time because I was curious at what you would have versus what I have seen through the first six weeks. Um, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You go first. All right. Starting at number six, I've got the Washington Huskies at number six. I have the Washington Huskies at number five. Who do you have at number six? So let's talk about the Washington Huskies. I like, I like the, I mean, they have, they're undefeated. That helps. <laughs> yeah. And every time I've seen to watch them, they look pretty impressive. Michael Penix Jr. is really good. He could win the Heisman Trophy. He's that good. That'd be cool. That'd be something. I mean, just, you'll get that thing here and we can start it here because my number six, um, I have USC just because their offense is still really good. Mm-hmm. And I can't just rule them out of anything. I have them down here at six. And that's, you know, two of the three Pac-12 teams that we're going to talk about. Like, it's just, it's great that the Pac-12 is having an up right before they don't exist. Yeah, it's definitely great. I think it's the best conference top to bottom, especially at the top. Um, Because I think you can make a case for Oregon, Washington, Washington State. Oregon State, Utah, if they ever got their starting quarterback back, uh, USC, Washington, um, even Colorado, who we've touched on. I mean, Colorado's good. Um, there's a lot of teams that would like to have Colorado as like their fifth or sixth best team in the conference right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'm really impressed with what's out of the Pac-12. And I think, honestly, that's why, because of the number of great teams, I just hope they don't all beat each other because I could – it's easy for these other – college football playoff committee people who already don't like the Pac-12 to just come in and just be like, oh, well, you all beat up each other, so no one's really great. Um, And just ice them out for that reason. Um, Because as I touched on it, obviously I didn't have Georgia six, so I'll go ahead and spoil it. Georgia's not in my top six. I don't think Georgia, if the college football playoff were to be played today, I would not have Georgia in it. I don't think they have earned a spot. Watching them squeak out against Auburn, 
watching them struggle with South Carolina, uh, that does not tell me this is a good football team or that those are good football teams. It tells me that Georgia is not playing as good as some of these other teams who I, I haven't seen. Washington had a tight game with Arizona, sure, but they were in control of that game. Georgia wasn't in control of South Carolina. Georgia wasn't in control of Auburn. Um, I, I think Washington is better. I don't have USC in my top six, but I I understand the argument. The offense is good enough yeah. for them to be college football playoff contenders. My only concern would be the defense. It's it is bad. Um, but obviously USC is just hoping to kind of be like the old Peyton Manning Colts, where we're going to score forty two points and hope that's enough. Um, yeah, and that's that worked in a lot of games for the Colts. It so far it's worked for USC. Um, they've got some big games coming up. My number five is Michigan. I like what I've seen. I just haven't seen them play anyone. Yeah, I have them further up the list. They haven't played anybody, but they're very solid. And uh, yeah, I still have them up at two. So I won't talk about them for a while. They just seem solid everywhere. Like looking at the positions and the talent, you know, to a degree on this, I looked at like, if these teams are playing each other, who am I picking? And that's why I'm still going to talk about Georgia up here in a second. So but that's why I, I okay. I, I'm not saying what they're going to do in the season. I'm just saying if they played each other, who I pick. And I, I think Georgia's defense leaves them in. That's why I left Georgia in, but that's, I had, I don't know. We're getting all out of order. Um, Michigan, I had it number two, because they just seem so solid everywhere. I know they haven't played anybody, but they can only play who they have on their schedule. Um, and they just, they just seem very competent everywhere. Like there's not this weak spot that I'm pointing to with that team. So that's why I was going pretty high. But I think what the college football playoff committee does right, and this is what I was trying to get you in the mindset of, was based solely on what you have seen, who would you have where? Not, I think they would do this. I think potentially this could happen. I think they would beat that. But that's, I don't want that. I I don't want, I think Michigan would beat this team. I want, like, what you've seen, do you think Georgia, Michigan's body of work is better than X's body of work? For me, that's why I have them five. I think their body of work is better than Washington's in the in the fact that they haven't had a squeaker game. They've played bad teams. They've beat them like they're bad teams, but they've played nothing but bad teams. Okay. Who you got number four? I have Ohio State because they played Notre Dame, who I think is not a bad team, uh, and they won that game. They've had some squeakers, but they went into Notre Dame. They beat Notre Dame. Yes, it took Notre Dame only having 10 players on the last two plays of the game, but – if Notre Dame's dumb enough to only play with 10 players, at least Ohio State was smart enough to take advantage of it the second time. Um, I think this is a team that, so far from what I've seen, is has shown me the most out of the Big Ten Conference teams uh, in terms of their body of work. It's a slight edge over Michigan. Now, that being said, if I were to break my own rule and I think Ohio State plays Michigan, I think Michigan probably wins that game. But based on what I have seen, only what I have seen and not looking into a crystal ball, Ohio State's body of work is better than Michigan's body of work. All right. At number four, this is where I had Georgia because when I do watch them, I still see some like incredible, like that tight end that tears it up. He's really good. McConkie. I think he has a good connection with the quarterback. Um, yeah. 
their defense that's supposed to be so great hasn't allowed them to separate. You know, they're still allowing teams to score some. But like I said, I, I guess I was just trying to like not where I think they'll end up because they, I mean, you know, I think Alabama's still going to wind up in an SEC championship game. And where's that leave them in the top six at the end of the season? I didn't, that's what I was trying to avoid was that kind of look ahead. Um, but I just think I have Georgia here because I think Georgia, if they were going to play Washington or if they're going to play USC, I'd pick Georgia. So. Uh Number three, I put Oregon. I've just seen way, way too much from Oregon to put them any lower than third. I, this is an offense that is absolutely clicking. Their defense is not bad. Um, Bo Nix. I, I said Michael Penix might be a Heisman candidate. You threw out Caleb Williams, who I think is fair. Bo Nix is another one. I, I think when those three teams play each other, and they all will because they're all in the Pac-12 North, um, I think the winner of that round robin is your Heisman winner. I, I just – all three of those quarterbacks are that good. I also have Oregon here. Um, Who do you got number two? Number two, I have Florida State. I've seen Florida State beat LSU. I've seen Florida State beat Clemson. Um, the Florida State game was at home. Or, the excuse me, the LSU, all the Florida State games are at home, uh, or at least half of them. Uh, but the LSU game was at home. The Clemson game was on the road. Uh, those were both big wins. I think, honestly, when you look at the body of work, that's maybe the best schedule. Um there's been the Boston College game is why I have them yeah. too, um, but I I think that this is sticking a, with me too much. I think a little bit. I mean, I, I said I don't hold people against going playing up going up there and playing bad, but I guess I do. Yeah, I I just think when I look at strength of schedule wins and, and the whole picture with all these teams, I still think Florida State has been the second best team. I had Michigan up here number two because of the who I think would they beat all these I'd pick them to beat these other ones because I just I think they're solid everywhere including Oregon I think they'd slow Oregon down I don't think they would beat Oregon but um my number one so far is Texas I think That's me too. I, I think Texas the win at Alabama or excuse me yeah. yeah it was at Alabama the win at Alabama was really impressive uh and for for the squeaker that they had What to answer and respond by coming out and just beating the ever-loving snot out of Kansas. I was like, okay, this is this is a team back on track. They didn't overlook this Kansas game. This was a perfect trap game where you're overlooking Kansas because they're Kansas and and you're looking ahead to Oklahoma. But they came out, they pounded Kansas. It was a big top twenty-five win. Um, I can't, that, that Oklahoma game is going to be really exciting. It's going to be a fantastic game. And that's where I think that Oklahoma game, like, I guess they're sitting at third in the AP. Like we could see some movement if they beat Oklahoma. I, you know, you can see on the flip side, if Oklahoma wins, Oklahoma's yeah. On the flip side of Oklahoma wins, they're going to shoot up. Yeah, they should. Oklahoma would be in my top six if they beat Texas. Oh, look at you. I, I, it was not that long ago you told me how dead Texas and Oklahoma were. They're never going to be good. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> They're still in the big Well, 12. I think Texas is going to do it. I think Texas is going to take care of Oklahoma. I think 
I think they're going to solidify themselves as like a national championship contender with a big win over Oklahoma. That's why they're my lock this week. At minus six, with mm. the way those games go, I know that's a scary number because, you know, they it just it gets off by a field goal or something like that, and it can be 43-40 pretty easily. I, I just – I don't know. I'm feeling good about Texas. I don't know if I've always felt good about Texas this year, but now I do. And so I'm going with them this week on my lock. I like Texas. Obviously, they're my number one. I think this is a three-point game either way. I, I think the team's going to be that close. This this has close game written all over it. Uh, six points would scare me. You might yeah, – I mean, it's only a touchdown, game. so if Texas wins by a touchdown, you you win. But, yep. um, yeah, that, that number is large enough for me to be worried about it. Yep. I'm probably not going to bet it. <laughs> <laughs> it's your lock that you're not going to bet. Uh, minus yeah. Bama. I'm, I you're, are you kidding? Bama minus three against Texas A&M. They're going to blow Texas A&M's doors off. That'll make me happy. Jimbo Fisher, yikes. Yeah. All right, what's your dog this week? Uh, I haven't been really good at these, so this is probably great news for NC State. But I'm taking Marshall plus six and a half. I... NC State's now making a quarterback change. I'm not really sure how much that solves the problem that NC State has, which I think is just they're not that good. Um, I I think Marshall's better. Yeah, I I paused on that game a long time in my selections, and it was like two weeks ago they played some shitty team, and that other team was kind of in the game for too long for me to think that much of them. So uh, – I, I don't know. I just have no faith in Marshall, but I think NC State, I got nothing. I, they're talking about pinching, <laughs> oh uh, pinching the UVA quarterback. Throw in uh, – no, they're not talking about it. They've done it. It was announced Did today. they? I didn't hear it. It was announced today. they were talking about it. Arrow boy Noah from uh, Harrisonburg. I saw him tweet Good about for it. him. I saw him Breaking tweet about news. it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. My dog my dog is Louisville hitting Notre Dame while they're – they've had these – emotional games that have come down to the last place of these games, I could just see them sleepwalking into Louisville and uh, having that one be real tight. If, if not Louisville getting the win, Louisville has those explosive plays. Every time I paid attention to them, it's just like 60 yard plays. I just, I wonder if some of that emotion of the other team just blowing down the field that happens early if that can just get under Notre Dame and, and cause them to lose that one. So that's my dog this week. My victim on my dog this week. They were week. my lock last week, so I'm a, I'm a big flip-flopper here. I was going to say, my, uh, my, my dog victim is the reason I don't wouldn't feel good about your dog pick there. <coughs> just because Louisville really had a tough time with NC State. Um, and I don't yeah. think much of NC State. I do think teams respond differently with Notre Dame coming in their stadium and, and stuff like that. I just I could see I could see that being a factor. I would shed no tears uh, if Notre Dame it's loses a night game. Yeah, I would know? shed no tears if the Irish lose that game. But yeah, I don't I don't know if I like that one. Um, I tried to steer you off Texas. <laughs> yeah, you you picked Baylor as your dog last week, didn't you? It was like two weeks ago or something against Texas, I think. Was yeah. It, was it last week? Yeah. See, I'm not consistent. Well, you are leading, so I don't know what that says about me. Um, yeah. I suck at this, I guess. Uh, I've barely I, – I, I think I beat you two weeks ago at honors because it carried from a week ago, and then last week I beat you by one. So. Are we doing, are we doing the local games? 
I mean, I ask because yeah, I know who I'm picking. Tech. I can't pick Tech. I'll pick UVA, and Jamie won't lose this week either. So, so you're picking FSU. I, I have to, man. I just like okay. Then we don't need to do it because we got the same thing. That's why I asked. If we're if we're gonna be the same, I wasn't sure. I'm not crazy. I didn't know if Virginia Tech was. I didn't know if Virginia Tech was Riverheads rules where you don't pick against them ever. But I'll be so happy. It's kind of like that. I just why that's why I'm not talking. Um. (laughs) Oh well, if you want to pick Tech, then pick Tech. No, I'm not picking them. Like I'm I'm not picking Tech. I just like I don't want to say it out loud. I don't I don't like it. Um. If Florida State's bus fails to make it to a home game, like I'll be so excited. Um, if we're within 21, I'll be pretty freaking excited. I think that's the spread, isn't it? 27, maybe. Yeah. If we cover. Oof. Oh, uh, we were talking earlier. Sorry to cut you off there, but we were talking earlier about, um, you were looking forward to the Kentucky Georgia game. Vegas is not Vegas has that as a two score, two score game Yeah. for those that are interested in that information. Do with it what you I might have come up with what I was looking forward to when I wasn't looking at spread, so it's fine. Um, NFL, I look forward to the whole day. I love Saturdays. I was talking oh, to my boss, and he's like, oh, I've been in the yard all day working. I was like, I'll be out there on Sunday because Saturday is for football. I, I do love Saturdays. NFL. Yeah. NFL guy. I'm not. I'm not I mean, I'm, I am. I like NFL, but other than like an hour and a half every Sunday, I, I'm willing to do whatever else I have to do. Word. That witching hours. That's my hour. Yeah. Well, let's talk. All right. NFL. What surprised you from week two of the NFL? What surprised me? Um, one of the things that you have on yours, honestly, um, that the Miami Dolphins took it on the chin. Um, yeah. That was. I was really surprised to see them get blown out. I thought maybe they lose the game because it's you know it's a division rival on the road. Those are tough, but. They got blown out. Uh, another thing that surprised me was when I saw that the Bears were up as much as they were. Uh, I believe it was 28 to 7. Uh, and then when I left Richmond, it was 28 to 7. And then when I got to Waynesboro, they had lost. Um, that was something. I don't know how Bears fans do it. So, what other surprised me? I, I thought. So I don't think much of Houston. And so I just thought the Steelers would handle that game, kind of got back on track the week before. It just was a bad effort from the very beginning. So I defensively, I guess, is what really disappointed me. If we lose, if we win that game just rough and like the offense isn't in there, that wouldn't have surprised me. But just the defense just to completely fall flat, that, that surprised me. I, not what I was playing in, not what my money was playing in. So, yeah, the Steelers surprised me there. And you lost your quarterback. Yeah, I think he has the same injury as the Duke player. He's only gone a little bit of time, if, if not much. That's enough to have Mitch Trubisky be your quarterback, though, I tell you. Yeah, right now I'm not – the offense isn't moving, so something needs to spark him. I, I mean, Mitch Trubisky's not the future, but I, I need the different offensive coordinators, what I need. Um, What did you see coming? I'm going to go first. I saw the Lions beating Green Bay. So did my money. Yeah. Um, so that was good. It was nice. That was nice. Um, Go into Green Bay and win, that's tough. And so to, to think that's going to happen and it come true, I, I really like it. Yeah, I saw the Ravens kind of 
beating a bad Cleveland team that has gotten a lot of good press. I, this Cleveland team's not good. They're not good. I saw the Cowboys roughing up the Patriots, too. That was not a surprise. Um, and honestly, what I'm now starting to just expect is that the Ravens are going to cakewalk through this division. I don't think the Ravens are a team that has a legitimate shot at a Super Bowl. But I think the rest of that division does not have a legitimate shot at playoffs. I think that division is bad. I I have gone from, oh, the Bengals will figure it out to, I don't know what's broken with Joe Burrow, but if I was a Bengals fan, I wouldn't feel good. Because all of a sudden, that is gone south quick. Yeah. Jamar Chase is now I mean, whatever physical ailment he has. I would really consider just sitting him right now because like Jamar Chase is starting to get unhappy. Yeah. I mean, look, as a Ravens fan, I'm yeah. sitting back looking at it and I'm like, man, I love this. Like this is yeah. chef's kiss. We were the only team in the division to score a touchdown. And we scored wow. enough for all of them. Jeez. Bang, bang, baby. Oh. Woo, woo. Cleveland sucks. God, that was so good beating those bums. Another thing that surprised me, um, and it might not surprise you as much based on last week's outcomes, was the Colts Richardson, the kid from Florida that I was talking up last year, to come in as a rookie. Like, he's playing ball. I know they lost that game, but, like, uh-huh. not because of him. I mean, he's playing ball. Like I'm, Yeah, I'm he's competitive. actually pretty impressed with how they're bringing him along. Like, he's doing a good job. Yeah, he's competitive. He's a good kid. He's playing well. Well, his NFL career yeah. is going well. I should say I, I, his college career was kind of like, uh Oh, but he's having a good NFL career. Yeah. They're, they're handling him correctly. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that Sunday night football this week, the Cowboys 49ers. I mean, that just smells like my childhood. Oh yeah. You know, like it's going to be great. Year, you just look for that NFC championship game between the Cowboys and 49ers. And uh, both teams are, are good enough for, to be excited about that this year. It's in so, San Francisco. The 49ers, I hope wear like their uniforms now are kind of almost like those throwbacks a little bit. I would like to see them, embrace it totally dive into the throwback dive into the throwback week and i would like to see the cowboys just come out in their regular uniforms uh the white ones and uh just really embrace the throwback nature i honestly put the game in standard def like just (laughs) give me the 90s graphics like give that to me give it inject it into my veins give me ai summer all madden yeah exactly yeah i keep hearing about how great recreating yeah i keep hearing about ai's doing so well Oh, you gotta be scared of AI. Ooh, whatever AI. Why don't you give me John Madden and Pat Summerall and make me believe that Pat yeah. John Madden and Pat Summerall come me, back to life? If if we're gonna do this, then let's use it for good and let's have Madden Summerall back. Let's get Keith Jackson back in the booth. Yeah, let's just let's have it all. Oh, we're gonna use AI to solve you know environmental crisis. Boring. Pat Summerall and John Madden, please, or kill the computer. Absolutely. Oh, we're gonna use AI Next to help up. people communicate across different language barriers. Lame. Pat Summerall, John Madden, Next. nerd. And, and while we're at it, get Lane, Angela Lansbury back because we can have Pat Summerall preview oh. murder. <laughs> she wrote. Murder. She wrote. <laughs> oh. Right. Deep, deep time. Oh, we're not talking uh, about the Ravens I'm game? I'm just going to eat. Huh? We're not talking about the big Ravens game? I, I'm not looking forward to it. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. Ravens play the Steelers. Steelers. That ain't gonna be fun. Woo! We're gonna be the only team to score a touchdown in the division this week, too. Woo! Where's TJ Watt? My D block. Run to the other side. Touchdown. (laughs) One singular topic. Last week I told you what I was gonna talk about this week, and this week I'm gonna. I'm excited about college basketball Mm. because as a Hokie fan, kind of have to be right now. 
and men's <laughs> and women's. So real quick, here's my highlights of the schedule on the uh-huh. men. They open on Monday the six with Coppin State. That's a nice warm-up. But then over Thanksgiving, they got a tournament where they could potentially play Iowa State or VCU. That's interesting. Uh, or in, in their first game. And then later on, on Sunday when they play the ideas of Butler and Texas A&M. Texas A&M is really interesting there with Buzzy Williams. Um, so look out for that. The ACC season starts on the 3rd of December with Louisville. But I always look forward to those UVA games. Those this day the 17th of January at UVA Monday night game against UVA at home. And then we also get Duke on a Monday night at home. That's back in January. We get a couple of those Monday night at seven games. Those are, those are prime games. I mean, they really build up once January hits, they build up those ACC games on Monday nights. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, The UNC game or at UNC game. We don't go to Duke this year. We only get them at home, but, we do go to UNC. We get them on the 17th of February. So I'll be looking forward to that. That's a Saturday game. It's one of the bigger Saturday weekend games that we have. And then I saw that the ACC tournament's in Washington, D.C. this year. So that's interesting. Not in Greensboro. I, I like it in Greensboro, but, you know, D.C.'s cool, too, because D.C.'s one I can imagine going to other than Greensboro. I would never go up to New York City and won't go down to Tallahassee or anywhere else they hosted down that far. But D.C. would be in the mix. So men's side, looking forward to it. We can talk about something for you, and then we'll come back to the women's schedule. Um, yeah, uh, I I guess what's been dominating my life has been I've tried another one of those meal kit delivery things. Um, I'd done one before, and that one kind of came in a container where everything was already prepared. All you had to do was stick it in the oven or a microwave, depending on your situation, to heat it up, uh, and it was ready to go, and it was good. It was just a price thing, and I was like, "Nah, this isn't worth it." Uh, and this one, I, I saw it was you know gave this great introductory offer. First two weeks are this price. Add steak for life, aka as long as you're a member. Um, each week you can add a, a portion of steak to your box for a dollar, and I was like, "Wow, can't beat that." Uh, so I signed up for it a little nervous about what I was getting when it came, I was even more broken because one of the reasons I sign up for these things is I just don't have a ton of time when I get back to where like, I want to waste energy on cooking. Like I just want it done, super easy to deal with, eat done. Um, but when I got it, I quickly realized, oh, these are ingredients and I'm going to make this damn it. Um, and so the first week that I got the food was not a great week to start. I learned later, uh, just because of how the schedule went. Um, I did finally, I just finished the first week's, uh, recipes. Uh, and it was, it was, it was good. Um, I was impressed that I made the stuff with no disasters. Um, Here's the added benefit. I now have the recipe, and so I can go get this stuff at the grocery store and not pay twice of what I should be in terms of the delivery fee that it costs to get it sent to my house, Um, which is good. Um, And, yeah, I I was impressed with it. Uh, The leftovers today that I had for lunch did well, which was good. I'm looking forward to the leftovers tomorrow uh, after what I made tonight, 
tonight's was by far the most difficult. Like there was the most stuff going. There was stuff going on at the same time. That wasn't like just put it in the oven. We were like doing two things at once on the stove, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, knowing I had to get on here, and we had to actually talk to somebody else, and it wasn't just the two of us where I can just nonchalantly be like, "Hey, Leland, give me thirty minutes or give me fifteen minutes." Um, I was like, "Oh, I kind of gotta be on time." And so, did the rice get burnt a little bit on the pork sesame bowl? Yes, it wasn't terrible. It was just a little crunchy. Um, but it was fine. Uh, and then the, the pork came out great. The sauce was good uh, that I made. So I was pretty pumped with that. Uh, let's see. I did that tonight. I had chicken tacos. Uh, there were no leftovers of the chicken tacos. That was one where they're like, oh, it'll feed two people. And I was like, mm, not if you're doing it right, it won't. Um, I put those away. Uh my only regret there was I just I didn't have any hot sauce to like kick it up a notch because I did, to me it was just kind of it was fine but it, there wasn't enough kick that I usually like with my tacos or burritos um, and then uh, garlic herb butter steak with potatoes and broccoli was the first one I did that's what I had for leftovers today at lunch that was amazing that was great I was honestly when you when you start talking. Because it's the same steak that I get in addition to that. I got an extra portion of steak uh, for the dollar. Um, and when you start talking about meat that they're going to give you for a dollar, there is part of me that's like, this is probably a red flag, but it is steak. And if I'm ever going to be poisoned, that's how it's going to happen. Um, but I was like, oh, well, what's the worst that happens? I get sick and die. Oh, well. Uh, and just threw it in a pan, grilled it. Uh, it was really good. The butter came out excellent, which that was – I was also nervous about that because I am not a person who loves making marinades or sauces. It's not something I enjoy doing. Uh, and the dishes afterward reminded me why I don't love doing that. Um, but uh, it went well. Uh, my only regret on that one was the potatoes. I was not quick enough. I mentioned the broccoli and potatoes were with it, it when they – tell you you're making it you're they're like just put the broccoli on half of it put the potatoes on the other half of your baking sheet shove them in the oven see you in 20 minutes i was like dude easy slaptastic then i pull it out it's like get the broccoli off so i put bro- half of the broccoli on my plate half in this to-go container for lunch on monday and then it's like all right sprinkle some parmesan cheese on your potatoes slap those bad boys back in the oven i was like awesome easy Peasy, beautiful cover girl. Slap it back in the oven. Now the cheese is melted, ready to pull it back out. And the problem, and I quickly discovered, was when I was pulling it out the first time, it allowed the pan to cool. So when I shove it back in the oven and it heats back up, now the potatoes are stuck to that thing. And that was... There were some swear words uh, while I was cooking on Saturday, getting ready to watch... Watching my, you know, investments go awry while I'm trying to scrape potatoes off, uh, I may have said, I will scrape that Syracuse quarterback off the turf myself if we don't start getting some touchdowns. I'm becoming a pro at it with these damn potatoes. And, uh, it, yeah, it wasn't great. But whatevs. Um, I now know, I've learned from that mistake. I now know how to avoid it in the future. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to, don't get me wrong. This is, it's, I have another box coming on Friday. That'll be it. 
I'm canceling it after that just because of the cost. I'll have nine recipes at that point to play with at the grocery store if I want to get jazzy and really mix it up. Um, but yeah, that's what's been dominating my life. Obviously, I talked about it for quite a bit. I think that's the most I've ever talked about cooking. So welcome to the Joe Deck Cooking Hour. It is. It is. That's what I like. I have a wife that likes to cook, and I, I cook a bit too. And but we were we were six weeks deep into the pandemic of cooking every night like a real dinner, no fast food, no pickup, no nothing for like six weeks before, like we went insane with it. So I, I that's I, like, I, I'm lucky I have a wife that likes to cook and is creative and comes up with new recipes and stuff like that. So it was good. Um, so the other half of the schedule discussion I wanted to have is the women's schedule, which opens up also on the sixth against high point. And, but the big one is later that week where they play Iowa down in Charlotte, Thursday night, November 9th. That's, just a massive game with Caitlin Clark. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Also, the ACC-SEC Challenge game where we play LSU. It's a rematch. And we go to LSU on Thursday, November 30th. That's right after Thanksgiving, a week after Thanksgiving. So uh, those those two, uh, you know, playing the two national championship uh, appearance teams there in uh, a month apart, or less than a month apart, uh, 21 days apart. So that's awesome. Uh, the ACC season starts with Pitt on New Year's Eve, um, but the UNC games I think are going to be crucial in the eight, in the season this year for the women at UNC on Sunday, February fourth, and then hosting UNC on February twenty fifth. Get both both of those games in February. I think that's interesting with the schedule there. Um, we do close with UVA and obviously Sam Burnell and the big the star that she is. Um, we close with them on the last day of the season on Sunday. The um, March 3rd and their ACC tournament is in Greensboro. But the thing to remember about the women's schedule is Thursdays and Sundays. They pretty much, once it gives the ACC schedule, all of them are Thursday or Sunday, kind of makes it easier to find them and be consistent. Um, you expect to kind of see the Hokie women play every Thursday, Sunday, except for when they're off. Um, so that's, it makes it easy to find them. So um, that's, that's definitely what's going to dominate my life. I, I love looking at the schedule and looking ahead like that. So that's the Hokies that I'm looking forward to. Hokie basketball season. Hopefully we can, you know, be above 500. Unlike football. Yeah, that would be cool, wouldn't it? We're, we're going to be. I, I say that facetiously. We're going to be above 500. So. Yeah, it's... Football's not great. We're going to pull a big recruit in men's basketball today, too. That's good. Uh, would he have been number one in the state of Georgia if you got rid of everyone else in the state of Georgia? Yeah, if you ignore every everything else, he'd been the best recruit hmm. ever. That's of big. All time. That's big. And if he doesn't miss any shots in college, he'll probably break the scoring record. And if you don't get that joke, then you win. So, baseball players here, Joe. Yeah, they are. Let's talk about them. So this week we got Texas and Tampa Bay. The winner yep. of that will play the Orioles. That's mm-hmm. every day at three this week. Who's going to come out of that one? I think the Rays. I agree. I think I think, I think they will. Uh, Toronto and the Twins play in the 430 game every day this week. Um, these are best of three series. Uh, the winner of that will take on Houston. Who is going to win between Toronto and Minnesota? Toronto's going to win. Minnesota cannot, by law, win yeah. a playoff series. But they will be hosting, so that'll be interesting. 
Um, Arizona, Milwaukee, they play at seven every day this week. And the winner for that one goes on to play LA. So which one of those two is going to take on the Dodgers? I, I was thinking Brewers, but, uh, there was word today that maybe Corbin Burns tweaked something right at the end of the year. And if that's true, that would worry me. I'm taking Arizona straight up. That's coming in this. I'm picking Arizona. Okay. And then APN games this week. I, I tell you what, I agree, but only because of Immaculate Grid. Only because of Immaculate Grid. I just I why did the I, Brewers I hated the Brewers long before Immaculate Grid? Why did the Brewers get on Immaculate Grid so many times? You know how long I had to wait for Dodgers Bud Blue Jays? League runs this thing, I think. You know how long I had to wait for Dodgers Blue Jays? I waited three months for Dodgers Blue Jays. I had Brewers every freaking day during that three month period, it felt like. In reality, it was probably only half of them. But that's too many. I'm sorry. Uh, Marlins Phillies, who you got? You know what? Give me the fish. Give me the Marlins. Yeah, I, I like our podcast buddy that comes on. Who we John Leonard? We love John Leonard. We should talk to him. Maybe next week we talk to John Leonard. And out of respect for him and, you know, what he means to me personally, I'm taking the Phillies. Okay. that's John and I have a relationship where I don't have to placate to him. Uh, <laughs> I can just tell him straight up. I think up. either way the Braves roll whichever one of these teams yeah, probably i hope i hope someone beats the braves because if the braves so, don't make the world series and the baltimore orioles do the baltimore orioles will have home field advantage there you go folks and your baltimore orioles their first game they'll play the winner of that Tampa uh-huh. Bay, texas on saturday likely time that i see that was going to be likely at four o'clock on saturday that would so be right perfect all the college football action but that's fine oh Probably that would be perfect for me saturday because saturday has the potential to be a nightmare day for me i've got volleyball it's looking like volleyball at one soccer at seven so my nightmare was the orioles play either at one or seven uh but no it it looks like it's either going to be four or nine. Oh uh, my God. If it's nine o'clock, I got news for the city of Richmond. I'm that might change my plans on driving back that night. I might get a hotel. Uh, I think it'll be four. I bet you it's four. It will be. And I'll tell you why, uh, because we're playing Tampa Bay. They're going to, they're going to try to find the worst window to put us in and they'll put it, put us there. Um, it's not like Toronto. Houston is, is a lot better. MLB likes Houston more than Baltimore. Yeah, but it's like Toronto's Toronto and Tampa Bay. I don't know how greatly different they're looking at American audience. Let me tell you the the nightmare World Series for Major League Baseball is the Baltimore Orioles and Milwaukee Brewers. That is their nightmare. Tampa Bay would be a worse worry. I don't think so. Major League Baseball is not involved with a lawsuit with the Tampa Bay Rays. I <laughs> I active Here's the thing folks, I'm going to tell you right now. I have tried to be positive, more positive this year. There have definitely been some hey, weeks that that I'll hasn't tell come you. Through. I had a listener tell me how much more positive you've sounded these last few weeks with the Orioles. Once the Orioles locked it up 
once it was for sure they were in the playoffs, I was told specifically that you sound happier across the board, not just talking about baseball, across the board. Yep, and that's what I wanted to get to because there's a reason for that. I've, I no longer have stressed about the Orioles, but we weren't doing this podcast in 2014 or 2012, the last time the Orioles, or even in 2016, uh, the last time the Orioles were technically in postseasons. Um, this is going to be, this is where you will be lucky that it's not a daily podcast, because if it was, uh, it would be, you wouldn't need to look at the scores to find out who would win. You would know within the first 30 seconds of this podcast. Um, I have already, Rob already knows, because I have already said, I was like, you don't need to ask me. When I come in, you will know. I will either be flying high or devastated. And it will be on my face when I walk in. Um, and I, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Joe, that was seven years ago. You've probably matured and grown up more. No. Um, I, I am irrational with this team. I, I have convinced myself that we can win the World Series. This team is good enough to win the World Series. We're the best team in the American League. We've got starters that are pitching absolutely amazing. Kyle Bradish is a sub-3 ERA this year. He has one of the best ERAs in Major League Baseball this year. He is our ace. We are not losing a game that he's pitching. I have convinced myself of that. So now, Grayson, who has pitched better since he came back up from AAA, I just need him to pitch well. And then I need one other guy to piece together an occasional good start, and we're going to win a series. And as long as our bullpen doesn't collapse on itself like a dying star, but I'm hoping the six days off will help them get rested, be ready to go for a postseason push. The bats will be rested, ready for a postseason push. We won over 100 games. We've won 101 games uh, this season. If we win a handful of playoff games, it'll be the most the Orioles have won in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I I am just telling the audience right now, Monday, depending on how that ALDS has started, I mean, man, it's either going to be great or it's going to be awful. I, The highs are never higher than after an Orioles playoff win. And, gosh, it is shut the lights off, cover the windows, and just stay in bed all day after an Orioles loss. What's it take? What's it take for you to have your day in Richmond on Saturday and then shoot up to Baltimore for Sunday's playoff game? Sunday's playoff game? Impossible, because I have a soccer game Sunday as well. Uh, are we staying in Richmond that night? Uh, well, that's the thing. Right now, I've convinced myself no, but if we do get that 9 o'clock game, that is going to be a yes. Because I, I know I'm not going to drive to Richmond. I'm not driving back from Richmond while that game is being played. That won't be safe. Potential, potential, potential game five of that series next Friday night. Uh, I've told Chip. Uh, you were there the next Friday, like a week from Friday. Yep. You, I've told Chip, you were there. Orioles playoff games. I will not be here. Will not be here. Orioles world series games. No shot or, and now I did. That actually kind of works out because Ford defiance hosts Wilson at home. And that's a two man booth. So great. Then I won't feel bad. I mean, 
let's be honest. I wasn't going to feel bad anyway. I hope you're not in game five. I hope you're not going through that stress. I hope oh, my God. And Leland, God help Chip. Yeah. If he's like, oh, do you at least want to do the tailgate show? I'd be like, you don't want me to do the tailgate show. Especially, God help you, if the Orioles game was going on while we were on air. I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it. So, no. Um, yeah, I don't want game five stress. I want to just, I want to sweep whoever we play. I just want to be done. Three pitches, three pitchers. They all go six plus innings. The bullpen comes in. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Shut down. So Offense what, puts up runs. What we sweep. stage of the playoffs are you in before you, you know, no, take a day off of work and, and go to the game up in Baltimore. Is it? Is it gonna be I don't know if I – yeah, I don't know. That's going to be expensive. I don't know. Um, we'll go up there and walk the streets and, and, and get one. <laughs> it's about taking out a loan to do it and whether that's a good idea or not. Um, <laughs> but – See, I always have the idea, and I say this, and the Nationals were the ones – and they're not my team, but still, like, I always yeah. say the World Series close. I'm going to go there because I just want to be where it is. And if I can get in, fine. If I can't, like, what's cooler is then just be right there. Um, I don't know if – I don't know what – as a actual fan of that team, if you could really handle doing that either. Like, if you're going to be there, you have to be there. So, yeah. If I was somewhere where I could watch the game, it would be fine. So that's what I'm saying. Go up to Baltimore. Take it down to work. Go up to Baltimore. Have have a dollar limit in your head, and it's not working. It's not working. Fine, I'm dumping in here into the, this bar, and then after two innings, come out and see if anybody's still on the streets trying to just get rid of one for that price. Ah, uh, that that day and age is too scary for me. I almost feel better safer with the app, with all the apps yeah. that there are. I've done a lot of street buying in my in my time, but yeah, that was before the apps existed. Um, I think I think that's just I use I'm I'm used to that as well, but it's gotten to the. I've heard too many horror stories of people buying stuff on the street and it not working now. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Um, but because it's one of those things where they, they like, do that with- they, they get it scanned to go in and then they come, they pass it to somebody back out. They sell it. It's already been scanned. And then, yeah, it's already been scanned. You can't get in. So Ugh. that's that's my fear. Um, anywho, uh, I don't want to think about that. Uh yeah, I mean, my brother and I have talked. Uh, we have long said, if the ever if the Orioles ever get in the World Series, we are going to be in the same place for those games. Some of those games, I will drive to Herndon, watch the game with him. Some of the games, he will drive down here. Some of the games, we may meet in Winchester or somewhere else to watch the games. Um but I want to be in the same location with him just because like, obviously he's my brother and we have a close relationship and that's great. Uh, but we have both been long suffering Oriole fans waiting for this world championship in our lifetime. And I know what you're thinking, Joe, you are really thinking far ahead. And this is what I'm telling you right now. Like this is the no, scary no, part. No, no, that's not this is the far scary ahead. part. I don't think that at all. This is the scary part, folks. I I'm planning this and I am already like, this is going to happen. We are going to get to the world series. The question is, do we play the Braves or the Dodgers, and can we beat one of them? Um, that's that's the only thing that might running through my head. If if we lose before the World Series, th- that will be the darkest podcast we have ever done. I'm just warning that's our audience a, now. That's a bar. That's that is a bar. I am just warning the audience now. Um, just be prepared. Like we all need to be rooting for the Orioles. We all need to believe Orioles magic. Look, 
I even if you're flapping your wings like angels in the outfield, I don't care. Like we have we need this World Series. The city of Baltimore needs this World Series. I need this World Series. Um Yeah, gosh. I mean, that would make me so pumped. I I did tell Rob too. I was like, look, win or lose. Um, definitely win, probably lose. World Series, the, when it's decided, the next day I probably won't be in. He's like, okay. Because I, t- I told him, yeah. that if we win the World Series, if you see me, period, that might be an upset. Because I will party like I actually won the World Series. That will be a thing. And there were people, there's already been people that I know that are like, oh, we won 100 games this year. Yeah, we won 100 games. Do you know how much money I've sank into that franchise? You're damn right it's we. You know what I have to put up with as an owner? You're damn right it's we. I am emotionally invested. I am financially invested in this team. It's we. And you know what? I'd like to think Adley Rushman supports me. If Adley Rushman wins a World Series, I will vote for him for president. He's not legally able to run for president. But given that I'm probably going to have the same two people to choose from that I had the last time, I will vote for Adley Rushman. I don't care. And on that note, folks, again, just know that's coming. This You thought, wow, Joe is going like a pinball, bouncing around. He seems really emotionally unstable right now. You have no idea. Just be glad that chances are I probably will not be watching an Orioles playoff game with you. That's that's your gift from me. Um, gosh. If I was more committed to this bit and this podcast, maybe we would do live reactions after the game, but I also don't want to say something that is going to potentially cost yeah, me somewhere might, else down the I line. I have to approach that when it comes. It, it actually just flew through my head when you were talking about this. Like, just have a standing... <sighs> Final pitch, hit the, like, here's the Google link. It might have to be an after dark. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, yeah. Direction, I'm, I'm not sure what you'll say. I, yeah, I don't either. I don't either, Leland. You've been in car rides with me where I you've gotten the raw reaction at times. And, honestly, Friday night was one that I'm just happy I did, kept it clean. Uh, pat myself on the back. Good job, me, keeping that clean because that was a terrible call. You're um, fired up. It was good. Yeah, and a, you, it was an emotional game. It was good. You let them know. You, you know, let the audience know that usually that's the thing they got to get on up. Monday nights. But yeah, uh, let me tell you, the Orioles will be even greater. That that cranked up another ten notches. Yeah. That's why I'm telling you right now, like folks, you think I know? I have had some epic rants on this podcast in the 264 episodes that we've been doing this. I'm telling you right now, Orioles playoffs. You have no idea. I, that's where I'm glad we don't do a daily podcast because if we did, I'm telling you, we come in. I wouldn't even odd even. I wouldn't care if it's a win. I am taking the reins on the open, and that's you're damn right. That's what we're talking about. Riverheads could be national champion, and I'd be like, get out of the way. Orioles want a playoff game, um, but Orioles lose. Oh, if it was odd, I would open, but it would be dark. Like the last time the Orioles, the last we were doing 4D sports at the time, and when the Orioles got eliminated by the Blue Jays in 2016, we opened with that Sarah McLaughlin song uh, in the arms of an angel. Uh, 
which one of our loyal listeners on that podcast thought that was hilarious uh, and loved it. He's a Yankees fan, so I don't know why I'm even friends with him. But, um, yeah, like it's – anyway, Leland wants me to wrap up, and I, I also want to wrap up because it's already – how long have we gone? Oh, over two hours. Great. Um, but, folks, I'm telling you right now, Orioles playoffs, this is, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be two hours plus. I could do a two-hour podcast on the Orioles playoffs each day after each game probably. Um, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if that's good for our podcast. Um, but, yeah, it's going to happen. So I'm just warning you now, uh, if you follow me on social media or connected with me on social media, uh, just beware. There's going to be a lot of stuff posted there, too, about the Orioles. Um, losses I've gotten pretty good now on disappointments, not going to angry social media posts. I just keep that inside and let it boil inside me like a rage that I'm sure will have no repercussions down the line, um, with my health and longevity, but the wins will be posted. The wins will be posted. It will be celebratory. It will be great. You have your hand up. Like you want to say something quick thing I did see and it's Orioles related. They did sign, like, the 30-year lease on Camden. Uh, so, about that. That came the same day we Hopefully clinched. It was same, yeah, it was the same day we clinched, and it was clinchmas. Um, Merry clinchmas, by the way, to everyone who observes. Um, they, they had a non-binding agreement to be in the city of Baltimore for 30 years. It is actually not the stadium lease being extended. You might ask yeah. yourself... I'm- why? That's a great question, because John Angelos is a dirty cheapskate. That's why. Um, now, I will say, I do think this is in lieu of the stadium lease soon being extended, because John Angelos's reaction to that, when they went up and did the camera shot as it was being announced in the stadium and released to the nation, uh, he looked very unhappy, and the governor of Maryland is losing his mind celebrating. So, to me, I was like, that tells me everything I need to know about that, and I like how it turned out. Anything that John yeah. Angelos is not happy about, that tells me he didn't get what he wanted. And the, the governor probably looked at him dead in the face and says, go ahead, little man. Let's see what you got. I call your bluff. I think you got a 7-2 off suit, and I'm holding pocket aces, fool. Like, I think that's what that is. So, but yes, the, this, gotcha. the agreement is good news. I do think the So no more national talk out of you. It's not going to move. I my eyes at nonsense like that. It's not going to move. Um... Uh, what do you mean, Nash? Oh, Nashville? Nashville. Yeah, I was not a firm believer in the team moving to Nashville. The people who think the team is moving to Nashville are You're talking about them moving can shut up. That sounds good. Yes. them. The people who thought they were going to move are not smart people. Like, there, there was no way that team was ever going to be allowed to move from Baltimore. Um But subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, because despite the last... 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, we do talk about Augusta County sports more than the Baltimore Orioles. Um, although if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, you definitely should check us out because we will be talking about the Baltimore Orioles a lot, especially in the weeks to come. Hopefully, uh, hopefully for like a month or I don't know, three, if we win the world series, God, who knows? I might just, I might find an Orioles fact every day or every week. God, that would be fun. Um, also about this Billy Joel thing. I hope they get that resolved. Um, I mean, I love me Billy Joel later in the playoffs. I, I mean, I love me some Billy Joel, but push comes to shove. Billy, you got to – sorry, dude. You have to find another day to play at M&T Bank. Uh, but hopefully 
we just win the World Series and we don't have to worry about it. There you go. Until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.